Money FM 89.3, the best of Saturday mornings. Well, this uh, past couple of weeks, uh, not only was it F1 preparation that everybody was gearing up for, but there were several large business conferences happening in Singapore in the conference business. The MICE business, as we know, is uh, very important to Singapore uh, and and uh, draws a lot of not only high-profile people, but a lot of money uh, based on who's attending these conferences. Uh, this past week, the Milken Institute hosted its uh, Asia Conference, 2022 conference, called the World Transformed. Uh, joining us now is Curtis Chin, who is the chairman of the Milken Institute. Take us, uh, take us back just a little bit about some of the history of this conference. Uh, Milken hosts these conferences around the world every year. What, what is the genesis of these? I was actually, I'm sitting here reading like the front page of Straits Times and the yeah. top headline is the roar is back. Yeah. Uh, and it's not just F1. I mean, clearly, as you know, the business, tourists, you know, we're all in a way coming back. You know, this is Singapore. This is Southeast Asia's moment. As we think about the next couple of weeks, we're going to have the world look at Bali for the big G20 summit. You know, eyes are going to be focused on Cambodia for the ASEAN summit. And Thailand, we've got the APEC summit. So, what you know, what does the Milken Institute do? All around the world, we're really at the heart. We're about convening uh, uh, people, institutions, uh, organizations, individuals, really with a lot of access to capital, access to money. And link them up with people with just great ideas. Could be a great idea for a business, a charity. Uh, just, you know, I, I think I probably stole this from Michael Milken uh, or one of my uh, great colleagues like Laura Dialacy. And they say, and I so believe it, you might have a great idea for a business or a charity or anything. But if you don't have access to capital, mm-hmm. sometimes it just stays a great idea. How do you build on it? How do you scale it up? And this is where, for me, Singapore is so great. I mean, really, the world is now convening uh, in Singapore. The old great rival used to be Hong Kong. Hong Kong will always be an amazing city. It's a changing city. But clearly, in the next year or two, the focus remains on Singapore. So yeah, for nine years, we've done this Asia Summit here. Uh, And this one was cool. It began with uh, Singaporean listeners with J.J. Lin. It began with J.J. Lin underscoring again that Singapore is much more than banking. It's about music. It's about creativity. And this is not your grandpa Singapore anymore. And we're just delighted at Milken Institute to be part of underscoring that and moving it forward. Well, let's focus on that for a moment. The Milken Conference Asia, which you just hosted a couple of days ago. There was a shift. There does seem to be a more eclectic range of guests. And the conference was all the better for it. Why was that? Dis- why was there that discernible shift towards more creative industries, music, arts, movies, whatever? Why did you feel that was important? You know, it's interesting because you know, at the heart, we are the Milken Institute based in LA. So if you come this year, we had our 25th uh, global conference in Los Angeles. And because we're in LA, we always have Hollywood stars and producers because uh, they live there. They yeah. don't even have to come for the whole conference. They'll come for one hour, right? And so we've got Charlize Theron there. You know, we've got all these stars coming in. Um, and we always want to bring that razzle-dazzle uh, also to our Singapore Asia Summit. So I think it's less about a shift in, t- in terms of our intent, right. but it's a shift because Asia is now also rising. So I think about some of the people that came to Singapore for this event. It included 
someone who kind of began here, uh, Henry Golding. Yeah. You might know him from Crazy Rich Asians. Sure. You know, he was on the BBC as the travel guy. I knew him when he was at Astro. Oh, uh, well, you know. in Malaysia. Well, yeah. I mean, he, he's from, really, Sarawak. Of but course. then was in... It was funny. He said to me, you know, really, I began as a hairdresser in London. <laughs> uh, and then someone said, you know, get out of that hairdressing oh, business. Who, who uh, among us can't say that? Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's amazing, like, you know, women out there like, Henry did my hair yeah. back in London. And so, and so I think... Wish he did do their hair. Ah, <laughs> and if only there were cameras and they'd be selfies yeah. of him doing the hair. But uh, so the shift is also because Asia, including Singapore, uh, stars from here are rising. And one of the things we talked about at this uh, Milken Institute Asia Summit was this notion of creative economies, creative uh, 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 institutions and organizations. Really, if we think about these last five years, it shifted from the days of Canto pop and the J wave of Japanese dramas to yeah. Korea. Yeah. BTS, you know, shout out to Kim Tae Young V and, you know, all these stars. Blackpink, you know, people know these names around the world. Yeah. And so one of the things I wanted to underscore was hey, Southeast Asia, let's get our act together. And so we had a dynamic Indonesian actress, Raleen Shah, uh, who I laugh because in my session, it's like, who has the most Instagram followers? It wasn't Henry <laughs> Golding with like a million. It wasn't my buddy Eric Nam of four Nomination with million. four and a half. Yeah. It was Raleen with, yeah. I don't know, nine million yeah. Instagram followers. Yeah. But a lot are in Indonesia. Mm. And so part of the message is that even though India is such an amazing big market, these stars and artists are also going beyond the borders. And how cool is that? So and you'll you'll be happy to hear that both Raileen and Eric Nam, as a result of this conference, I had conversations with them, have agreed to come on the show. Ah, show do I here. get a cut of yeah. that? You know, uh, <laughs> is it Raileen's mother? Is a listener? Raileen's mother. Hey, she, she, Rose. <laughs> yeah. She may be listening today. If she is, hello. I sat next to her at that panel, ah. and afterwards she said, "I listen to I listen to Money of them every Saturday morning." So you need to get that little uh, bite. And yeah, just never play mind that. that. <laughs> I have to bring this up live on air. He took a photograph with Eric Nam at yes. the event, yes. then yes. tagged me, and now I'm getting responses from all Eric Nam's fans there on social go. media. Shout there out to go. the Nam Nation, right? I've got the Nam uh, Nation coming after me. I just want half of his fans to, to follow me. No, you right? want half of Raleen's fans, because half of her fans are more than his I'll fans. I'll do four million, I'll do, I'll do two million. But also, I'm like, all that, good, right? I'm all good. that's an example. I, I, it was a terrific question. In some ways, uh, um, it isn't just a shift in the, the people, it's the shift in the technology. You know, yeah. we're about finance and technology. And one of the things that happened during the pandemic is because everyone's like living on their couch. Yep. greater access to content. You used yes. to be, what movie are you going to see this weekend? Mm -hmm. It's like, what are you going to stream today? You know, another one we spotlighted at our conference was a terrific new Netflix series, which I hope you all watch, called Thai Cave Rescue. Right. I spent yeah. a lot of time in Thailand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, after you remember, that was that amazing, nice story in a way of the four rescue years of ago, the they rescued yeah, 13 people yeah. out of this cave. You know, sadly, two Thai uh, divers died, one there and one later because of a blood infection. Um, but ultimately, it's one of those few stories that I felt united the world in hope. Mm. We need more stories like that. Yeah. And so Netflix has just released uh, a production with John Panati of SK Global, uh, who was a key person, along with John Chu behind Crazy Rich Asians. Just released last week, six-part series, and what's unique and different about this telling of the Thai cave rescue story, 
it's really they bought the rights from the Thai families, the Thai kids. Yeah. So unlike the movie or the National Geographic, which had different perspectives, you know, the, the, the big Hollywood film that came out called 13 Lies mm. was told from the perspectives of the, I think, British, the British divers. The British and Australian rescuers. Yeah. So it's a very different perspective than the Thai side. And because it's like six hours, you get to understand the realities that we face in Asia. Mm. I think three of the people were actually illegal. They're from Myanmar. And all that was kind of like not in the big movie because right. they're focusing on the rescue. Right. So you, you see how uh, stories like, I don't say controlled by, but told by Asians for also Asians. are attracting the uh, world. Yeah. So told for Asians, but the world pays because there's some empathy. Like Squid Game, biggest series ever on Netflix in Korean. It's a Korean but I think it attracted the attention of the world because people connect with this competition, the rich and the mm, poor. Mm. These are universal issues. And so we don't need Hollywood to tell it just from a Hollywood side. But Singapore, Indonesia, Korea, yeah. let's spark this creative And did you feel here. that at the Milking Conference? Did you feel this shift towards Asian creative industries? Was that something that was being talked about and discussed? Well, clearly I felt it in the panels. You know, Henry yeah. was there for a couple panels. Eric was on a couple panels. Um, I felt it more in terms of, yeah, we need to diversify where we're going to make our money. Yeah. Uh, but, but even for me, that's a step forward. But what's also interesting mm. is we don't need Hollywood to produce things. Asia will produce things too. And now again, because of the pandemic, people can mm. access content out here versus will they be able to have a big you know, 1,000 mm. screen release in the United States? Well, that's States. good to hear because they're producing my TV series there at the moment. So ah, I'm feeling very excited now. Eventually. I'm inspired by Curtis. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> well, indeed, my goal is to inspire your <laughs> listeners and join you. It's always great to be on Money FM. <laughs> We're talking to Curtis Chin, the chairman, the newly minted chairman of the Milken Institute Asia Center. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you all. On that new position that you've just uh, achieved. Um, when you look at the conference, uh, bring back You've, you've done many things. You're ambassador to uh, the uh, Asian Development Bank. Uh, you've been involved in business and on the, on the governmental side uh, and the policy side in Asia for many years. Where, where are you seeing us uh, as, we, as we come out of the pandemic? I don't want to say a post-pandemic world. That's a little bit too cliche. But um, truly, uh, economies like Singapore, even Hong Kong, mm. are now opening up again. Um, and business is coming back. People are traveling again, getting deals done. What's your overview on, on where we're at? Because uh, Steve Oaken was just on a short time ago. And he was actually hearing and feeling quite a bearish uh, tone at the Milken Summit this year based on debt, debt loads and debt servicing. Where, where are you in looking at the kind of the big picture? You know, people know whenever I'm on 89.3, I'm the <laughs> optimist. So, yeah, I've known Steve a long time. Um, absolutely, he captured some of the, the comments and sentiments, but I also looked at it a little bit differently. I think there's a recognition now that to succeed, companies, countries need to diversify. So I remember someone asked me, well, you know, is it just more decoupling uh, from China? I said the U.S. and China are so intertwined. Mm -hmm. and, but clearly for me, when people talk about decoupling, my look at it, no, it's about diversification. How so? And that meaning that don't have your entire supply chain in China. Diversify. Move some to you know Thailand. Move some to to Vietnam. And so in a way, that some people that bearish thought of decoupling is actually an opportunity for Southeast Asia. Mm -hmm. uh, and so for me, it wasn't completely bearish. Um, there was a lot of focus, and I felt like you know I said to someone, this is Southeast Asia's moment. 
you know, U.S. and China, they'll have their ups and downs. You know, people usually don't want to take a side. But it's a pretty big down. Better. It's a pretty big down at the moment between the U.S. and China. I mean, some historic bad vibes and happening. As Steve was saying but, in our previous segment, people were even reluctant to discuss it publicly. But that's probably, summit. to be quite frank, it's, that's more about China yeah. than what they really truly felt. Mm. Uh, because we've seen China sometimes, I don't say they're vindictive, but they do that, oh, maybe you can't get your visa, you know, you won't get that business deal. Um, but the reality, actually, when you look at the numbers, Asian Development Bank, you know, I think even the latest from the International Monetary Fund, they've lifted up the growth rates for Southeast Asia. But because China is slow, still growing, but because China is slowing the overall all Asia-Pacific growth rate has gone down. But when we look at this year ahead, they're putting the Philippines at the highest growth rate That's for Southeast Asia. So I say to people, look a little bit deeper. You know, and even within the diversity that is Southeast Asia, ASEAN, yeah, we have, you know, I don't say battle Myanmar these days, but we have dynamic places like the Philippines that maybe didn't get enough attention. Mm. You know, the Philippines, I spent four years living in the Philippines. Uh, um, at the ADB? Uh, at the Asian Development Bank, yeah. absolutely. And I go yeah. in regularly, at least pre-pandemic. Yeah. Um, people don't give enough attention. Think about Indonesia. Nearly half of ASEAN's, you know, economic uh, size, uh, the po- population, so many islands. But you really don't hear people talk that much about Indonesia. And so for me, that's why it was so great the Milken Institute focused on this notion of creative economies and spotlighted Indonesia. These are places more the world needs to pay attention to. So did you to. detect the discernible shifts, say, from Western markets towards Eastern markets? Is that something you felt, or Southeast Asian markets? I know the British Foreign Secretary was there. He made a speech. He didn't take any questions. James Cleverly. Did you feel a shift towards Southeast Asian diversification, markets, opportunities? Uh, I know. It's all based on – because some individuals, absolutely. Others were like the reality. They already have so much investment in X country. It's mm. not like we're going to move it all out. Yeah. Um, but actually, I heard so much positivity about the economy of the United States, but not the U.S. divided mm. political system. Right. And if you think one reason Asia is, is going to be hurt, maybe less Singapore uh, – is because the dollar is getting stronger and stronger. And so, like, in, in Thailand, I can't remember if it's now, like, almost 37 Thai baht. But I don't know if you all remember the Asian financial crisis. It was sparked, like, when the Thai baht went to, who knows, 38 to 40. Uh, and I was talking to what really one Thai billionaire, and he said to me he felt this crisis for Thailand is in many ways worse for regular people. You know, because in the old, he really suffered in that earlier financial crisis because he had so much denominated foreign currency. Mm. But he was able to adjust these two decades. But regular people are suffering because of the inflation in fuel price and food price. And unlike the last Asian financial crisis, there wasn't a flood of tourists coming in today, unlike then, because of the pandemic. Yeah. So in the old days, people could come in and benefit because there's a counterbalance, people taking advantage of the weak currency. Yeah. Here with the pandemic really still going on, there isn't yet the return to the same numbers as before. Yeah. So a mix to your question. Some right. saying yes, some saying no. Um, but indeed, I did feel what Steve felt was that uh, uh, people were saying a recession is coming. And the debate is simply over the size of the recession um, when and when does start. it arrive. Yeah. And I also saw that disconnect you know, uh, uh, where some were saying, it's better if it comes sooner and, like, pull the Band-Aid off. And I said, what a disconnect to regular people. Regular people, I don't want a recession. 
But there's economically, we got to get through a recession to recover. And so are we just delaying and delaying when something we that saw, will come? We saw in 2008 uh, when, when the U.S. housing market imploded that Asia was largely insulated mm-hmm. from that. They had not invested in the bad uh, debt of, of, um, of mortgages and, and uh, in a way that had been done in the U.S. and even Europe. Is there any sort of a insulation that Southeast Asia or Asia is uh, enjoying now? along those lines, or have, has the last decade or 15 years just really integrated all of us in a way that Asia is going to feel the pain and not have a soft landing? Well, yeah, again, it'll vary so much by, by countries, but I say to my friends in Asia who are like, I don't care about Ukraine, that's so far away, I said no. Yeah. Look at your food price. Yeah. Look at your fuel price. Yeah. So Asia is not insulated from what some people say, oh, that's Europe's problem now. Right. Yep. So we are so intertwined. And a shout-out to Singapore – for speaking up on what is going on in Ukraine. You know, most of the ASEAN nations are like, that's your problem now. But I think regular people know that my food price has gone up, my fuel price has gone up. And it's not just of what happened in Ukraine. We had supply chain issues and other issues with the pandemic. But there's no insulation for Asia for inflation Mm. uh, that's Mm. being driven in part by what's going on in Ukraine. Let's stay with that supply chain issues. As, as I'm listening to you talk so animatedly over your shoulder, oh I'm watching, or I was watching the latest from Hurricane Ian. You know, we talk about supply chains, food security, climate security. Was there any discussion about sustainability, homegrown products? You talk about diversification. Singapore, as you know, has a 30 by 30 plan to produce 30% of its own food by 2030, which is an extraordinary ambition. Are we hearing more of that? More efforts towards self-sufficiency, less carbon footprints. Did you hear any of that kind of discussion on sustainability? There were so many panels on. The lingo is ESG, environment, social and governance uh, issues. Um, One of the great things, but one of the challenges about these milkness events is there's like three things happening all at one time. So uh, I didn't really go to some of the ESG panels because I'm in my creative economy panels. But there's so much talk indeed about sustainability. Mm. I don't really hear people talking about it as self-sufficiency, even though that's what they're thinking, uh, because that goes against the ASEAN spirit <laughs> that we help each it other does, versus food, let's food, produce it, it does, all ourselves. It but food security uh, is a reality for a absolutely. country like Singapore. Yeah, but food security, even in that's where all these counterbalancing forces, because some countries uh, are like, well, I'm going to do hydroponics. But hydroponics isn't so organic and natural. And so you have these counterweighting challenges of what you're trying to achieve. But very clearly, sadly, again, you know, one of the things that has come back, you know, our theme was the world transformed. But what not has what has not been transformed is this notion of now going back to this cycle of pooling inward. Right. Uh, It's like the world goes through these cycles. uh, But the reality is that every country cannot produce everything. Of course. uh, And so how do you choose? And there's a cost to that. Yeah. Right. Uh, Remember the old, where's my chicken, Malaysia? Remember when Malaysia was not sending us chicken uh, here? But I don't think the answer is, okay, every Singapore family, we're going to give you four chickens and you grow them. But some countries might say, yeah, that's we're going to be self-sufficient, even at the community and family level. So there has to be a balance when we talk about these things. We're talking with Curtis Chin, the chairman of the Milken Institute Asia Center. Uh, Curtis, as you look uh, now to your beginning tenure at the the Milken Institute, what do you feel like some priorities should be 
for Milken uh, Institute in Asia? You know, I think we've got to do even more of what we've been doing, which is bringing together this notion of, uh, uh, again, uh, increasing connectivity between capital, access to capital, and the people then, organizations, interest that hopefully will then do something with it that's meaningful and impactful. What does that look like? And so one, uh, let me give you a great example from the United States where uh, we do a lot of focus on health-related issues. So, so melanoma is a very lit form of skin cancer. Yep. And we played a key role, not me personally, but Milken, in creating something that's now the Melanoma Research Alliance with through our research, through our kind of connectivity. There was an individual had a lot of capital, access to capital, but sadly, melanoma was uh, suffered by one of the people in it. And she said, well, what can I do? And so Milken linked uh, this person through research with the academic institutions because what they were finding was that researchers on melanoma at some point joined big pharma companies and then maybe they were shifted to work on lung cancer or blockbuster Mm. kind of Mm. diseases. Mm. So less research goes into that area. And through this new group created with Milken Support, the Melanoma Research Alliance, at least these researchers at university will do a little bit more research maybe before Big Pharma hires them away. And so that's just one example. But we're also involved in areas like environment. You asked about sustainable uh, yep. sustainability and self-sufficiency. I would love to see more of that now in Asia. You know, in the United States, we're so used to philanthropy. Asia, it's still kind of growing. This I think, is something uh, we talk about on the show regularly. <laughs> philanthropy right. in Singapore and in the yep. region generally. Not maybe quite as much. Well, uh, you know, well, it's not so because, you know, there's so much wealth in Asia, but sometimes, you know, that wealth is invested in mm-hmm. Europe or the U.S. because of the returns. And then, like, you know, I spent so much time in the Philippines. So I give to my church, of course, and I give to my school. Uh, but maybe government should support all those other things. So it's evolving uh, in Asia. You know, we have, to be honest, we have so many billionaires that come to our events. In American Europe, there's like a giving pledge where these billionaires, I'm going to give away half my money before I die. And you know, I heard from someone here, they're like, oh, no, I'm giving it to my kids. <laughs> right? And it's kind of, you know, maybe Keep the, the wealth is younger. Yeah. Uh, and all. So is, it's there evolving. A role, is there a role for Milken to, to push um, philanthropy? Absolutely. When I think about kind of our focus areas, it's finance, uh, it's health, and it's philanthropy. I mean, and that's really, again, that's what differentiates from a lot of these other conferences. You know, again, Singapore has come indeed roaring back, you know, not just because of the F1, but I think it was like we, maybe we were the big flagship Milk Institute Asia Summit, but I saw Singapore, oh, there's like 25 things that are all around these two weeks, but we're very different than a conference just focused on crypto uh, or just focused on one aspect of all that is going on. We're about taking that wealth, that capital, helping people have better lives, and that absolutely recognizes that it's not just government that has money. Mm. It's families, it's individuals, it's institutions. And so we really got to cross this notion of public, private, nonprofit. They're all separate. We got to bring them together. And you've seen even how the Gates Foundation, which had an announcement of the, I think they're giving 25 million to something here as part of a philanthropy summit, uh, that indeed... That is also helping uh, evolve or, or changing also in Asia. This notion of what are philanthropies, what can they do instead of just a small little focus area. Okay, that was a very positive response to I'm Mr. Positive, know, as you know. know. And as you know from the previous section, Steve finished on a bit of a downer. You know, we're looking <laughs> at a recession, how long it's going to be. What was your most positive takeaway from the summit in the last few days? It was almost just that it happened and this sigh and it shows the power of convening and connecting people. Uh, Asia has also transformed. It's just not the world. But there's still a lot of issues that we face out here. But if we can continue to talk 
if we like hate each other, US China, uh, we can move forward. And that for me was one of the great things that I saw again. You know, we do so much by Zoom, you know, that's in some ways a good thing. But by connecting people that really don't always want to talk to each other, US, China, government, business, uh, that has come roaring back too. And I'm so pleased that Milken Institute is able to help do that here in this great hub of Singapore. Yeah. yeah Curtis, uh, one, one final word from you. Uh, talk to our listeners, uh, our viewers here on Money FM. If they, uh, what's, what's something that, what's a resource perhaps they can get from the Milken Institute um, if they're looking to see how they can structure their business in a better way or give back in a better way? What, what, can, what can Milken help them do here, here in Singapore, whether it's a local business or an international business here? Uh, you know, terrific question. People are saying, well, how can I get engaged? You know, we actually have a sponsorship model, so people want to support what we call financial innovation labs, trying to impact policy, whether it's fintech. We did a program in China on how do we better finance uh, research and testing related to lung cancer. So clearly there's always financial support. You can go to milkeninstitute.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, we just also want them in their own worlds to carry this message forward to. Let's not stay in our silos. Uh, let's think through even at the community level, what can we do, nonprofit, you know, government uh, and business to move this uh, notion of connectivity and impact forward. Um, and I think Singapore can play a key role in this. Uh, in Southeast Asia, it's not just that this is a place of a sandbox of testing policy related to fintech. Yeah. Let's have Singapore also be a role model above and beyond finance in terms of creativity, in terms of content, uh, in terms of the environment. You know, I'm on the board of a Thai company that's in this like sustainability space. I'm going to give it a shout out, Equator Pure Nature. But it's this notion that we have uh, all these chemical products out there. Can uh, Southeast Asia also show, we'll go back to some traditional ways we produce cleaning products and things that, again, we don't always have to take from the West. The East can show the West how to move forward. That was to. my point. That yeah. was my point. That's yeah. why I like you because your points and my points often homegrown, <laughs> convene, homegrown, homegrown, <laughs> sustainable, smaller carbon footprint. That's Learning from each want. other too. Though. We are indeed. absolutely. We are yeah, indeed. All right. Well, I'm going to break into this love fest here for a minute. Uh, Curtis Chin, chairman of the Milken Institute Asia Center. We wish you uh, very great success in your new role. Uh, we certainly hope you'll come back and talk to us. And and those that want to get in touch with you, milkeninstitute.org. Perfect. Delight to be here. Always great to be here. Thanks for being with us. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.